Genesis uh, 11, and it will start at verse 27. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor were both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahar's wife was Milcar. She was a daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcar and Iscar. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur, of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan where they came to Haran where they they settled there Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran the call of Abram the Lord said to Abram go from your country your people and your father's household to the land I will show you I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan and he arrived there Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem at the time the Canaanites were in the land the Lord appeared to Abram and said To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out, and continued towards the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Fabulous. Let's keep that open. Let me say a prayer. Uh, we pray, Father, as we look at uh, a story from the Bible that's kind of, kind of familiar and kind of not, that you'd really help us to uh, focus, that you'd kind of help us to get into it, and that the message that's been there for generations would come alive for us uh, in this generation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you'll see on the sheets uh, under the talk there is a bit of a, an outline of where we're going and if you're a sort of Bible believer you've already, probably already filled in all the blanks because you can pretty much do it for yourself from the outline. I'm just saying that. But um, uh, that'll give you an idea. Let me ask a question about friendship as we begin. Uh, who are the friends, I mean, maybe think of them now, 
Who are the friends that you can really count on? The people that you know who will never let you down. I'm assuming that each of us has got some, but not like loads and loads and loads. The kind of people who, when they make a promise, you know you can rely on them to keep that promise. There are some people in our lives like that. And they are precious because there aren't like loads and loads and loads of them. And we're starting uh, the year in the company of this man, Abraham, or Abram, as he used to be called. And he's the first person in the Bible to be called God's friend by God himself. And the incredible privilege that we know of having friends, of people who we can rely on, Abraham knew having God as his friend. And that's what we're going to enter into as we look today at his personal journey uh, and the example, that is, of how any of us might enter into a friendship with God uh, because of the promises that God makes to him and through him to us. So that's where we're going uh, this morning. The personal journey bit, well, that, the first part of what we read is the family tree telling us who he's married to, where he's from. Um, and I always remember that because of youth group quizzes. We had youth leaders with a particular sense of humour who every now and again in the middle of a quiz would say, um, where did Abraham come from? And we'd all be going, uh, yes, that's right. Yeah, you get it? You get it? Verse uh, 28, 31. He came from, uh, although you spell it differently, uh, somewhere in the Chaldeans, uh, modern-day Iraq. So if you think about that background, he's not, he's not someone who's been taught all about God from his childhood, necessarily. He didn't go to Sunday club. But... When God speaks to him, he gets the message. And that brings us to the thing we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, God's call, because they are some of the key verses in the whole Bible. Uh, And it's like, you know, those super super slow motion replays you get in sport or in nature programs, you know, an osprey swoops down to the surface of a lake and catches a fish and then opens the wings and gets back into the air and you see every droplet of water and every feather moving and, and it's utterly stunning. Well, I can't claim that my sermon will be that stunning to uh, uh, our imaginations but I, I think this bit of the Bible, we're going to go slow onto it because just these three verses are that worthy of that kind of attention. So, verse 1, it's the call to go, and it's rooted in verses 2 and 3, the promises of God. And the call to go needs to have something behind it, needs to have a reason to go, because God's call to Abraham is huge. You look at it in verse 1, it's to go from his country, where he belongs and fits in with everybody else, to go from his people, where they all know him and he's built up a reputation, to go from his father's household where he has financial security and protection to go to a place that he doesn't know where he'll be a stranger who no one has ever heard of. That's a pretty big call, isn't it? Today when migrants risk everything to travel to somewhere else in the world, it's usually because they're desperate. They feel they don't have a choice. They are fleeing from war or poverty or distress. 
Abraham, though, it's the opposite. He had everything already. And yet he risked it all to step into the unknown because God told him to. Verse 4 tells us that Abraham went. He trusted God's promises. We know that because he took action. And actions speak louder than words. They show what we really believe. And so Abraham stepped into this unknown future with nothing in his bag except the promises of God. He's a great example of faith in God. Taking God at his word and acting on his promises. And did you notice in verse 4 how old he was? He did it as a 75-year-old. So never say you're too old to change if God's leading you to change. Yeah? So let's do that slow-mo and see what these promises from God are all about. Uh, Verse 1 is about this promised land that God will show him, uh, where his descendants will settle. Uh, That continues into verse 2. He will become a great nation. I will bless you, says God. That's about his favour. I'm for you, God's saying. I will make your name great. And if you think about it, in an honour and shame culture, that's even more important. Um, Think of the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name. Um, Think of what the negative side, what we say, still say nowadays, don't we? Someone's name being dragged through the mud if they've uh, done something awful. And uh, your reputation, even nowadays, matters. And in an honour and shame culture, it matters like nothing else, really, almost. God says to Abraham, I will make your name great. Did he keep that promise? I see a few nods around the room. He did, didn't he? Uh, Great things have been done in history by people descended from Abraham. And here we are an awfully long time later. I didn't look it up how long ago it was this. But it is, you kind of ballpark 3,000 years and maybe a bit more. And we've heard of this, this one individual. It's extraordinary, this uh, thing that God does for this one individual, his friend Abraham. God promises at the end of verse 2 that he'll be a blessing, uh, Abraham. And then verse 3 is this thing, it's not the way we put it. God will bless those who bless Abraham and curse those who, who curse him. As I say, it's not how we would put it. But it's, if you like, it's a, it's a way of stating a promise that he will have Abraham's back in, uh, in a day and an age where actually um, there was no sort of police force and um, there was no, um, you know, sort of structure in society in the formal way we have it. Abraham was going to be able to live knowing that he had God's sort of seal of protection on him, which is a remarkable privilege to have that kind of promise from Almighty God. But actually, this sequence of promises that we've just read through isn't primarily about Abraham. Do you realise that? Do you realise that when you get to verse 3, the finale in verse 3, this is where it's all heading to. Verse 3, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. There's this rising crescendo. It's going to reach the whole world. It's no exaggeration to say that these words that we've just read are some of the most important ever said or ever written down. Because God has a purpose, not just for the life of Abraham, not just for the people of Israel, but actually for all of the nations, even ours, through this stream that runs from this point through history and then reaches Jesus and becomes a flood 
which goes out to the whole world. That's what we're reading today. Now on the sheets, you'll see something I found really, really helpful as a summary of those promises. Uh, And I want to try and teach us this um, so that we can kind of have it in our heads, okay? So what we've just read is a promise of a place. No, hang on. No, what's the first thing on the sheets? It's not a place, is it? A people, a place, and God's rule and blessing. Okay? So that's an outline. See if you can find it with me. The people, where's that in what we read? That's verse... Do you see it? See it? Anyone? Where's the people? Where's the promise of a people in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3? Verse 2, there's going to be this great nation and uh, actually by verse 3 it's going to be uh, all, the, all the world. The place, that's verse 1. Yeah, verse 1, exactly. Uh, verse 1 where God says, go to this land. And God's rule and blessing, actually, verses 2 and 3 is all about the blessing, isn't it? In this uh, case. But it's, it's such a helpful summary. God's people, God's place... God's rule and blessing, it's the pattern, it's the purpose that God has that actually links together lots of different parts in the Bible. So let's see it some other places. You may remember Genesis 1 and 2, the story of creation in the Bible. Um, Let's do this together again, from memory, or you can flick back if you prefer to Genesis 2. God's people in Genesis 2, who are they? From memory? Adam and Eve. God's place, Garden of Eden. God's rule and blessing, that's to do with the instructions about you're free to eat from any tree in the garden. He wants to bless them, but he says no to one thing. They're still under his rule, and they experience friendship. He walks with them in the garden in the cool of the day. Okay? God's people, God's place, God's rule and blessing. Then Genesis 3 happens, and it all unravels. Adam and Eve reject God's rule, but they think, they think oh, we're going to make up our own rules, there'll be more blessing there. The punishment is they're shut out from God's place, life is now toil and sweat instead of a garden. And as for being God's people, well, by the end of Genesis 3, are they still God's people? Sure they are in the sense that he made them, he created them, created us all but are they friends with God anymore? Is there any way back into friendship? And that question gets louder and louder as you read through uh, chapter 4 to 11 and the kind of chaos and carnage of that as the human race seems to go from bad to worse. Is there any way back? Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3 is a massive yes, there is, because of what God promises, that through this man, Abraham, There will be a people in God's place enjoying God's blessing and being a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. Do you see the pattern? There's a purpose from God right from the beginning that's being stated again here. And if you've read on through the Old Testament, the story continues and the people of Israel emerge, God's people, we see them possessing the land until they have peace on every side, they're in God's place. God gives them good laws and wise kings. They're under his rule and blessing. We're full of optimism for the briefest of moments before it all goes horribly wrong again. 
The kings go bad, the people rebel, they get kicked out of the land into exile and that's how the Old Testament ends. Did God's promise fail to Abraham? Had he just sort of forgot to factor in what we're all like? Is that, is that what was going on? It's a fair question. It's a question that the prophets wrestled with at the end of the Old Testament. But actually as they did that, as they thought all the way back to Genesis chapter 12... God enlarged their vision. He'd always said, hadn't he, in Genesis chapter 12, a great nation, actually all the peoples on earth, and it hadn't quite, that hadn't quite happened with the nation of Israel. And the vision grows in the mouths of the prophets. And at the end of the uh, New Testament 2, in the book of Revelation, God had always planned for a people who would be from many nations, brought to him by the Messiah. He, He planned a place, which isn't just a sort of an all-right city on planet Earth, but actually a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem bringing it all together as a centre of all. And, and his rule and blessing, he actually wants that face-to-face relationship with you and me that he made us for. So let's land this for us in 2020. Friendship with God, that's the theme today. It's, it's always going to be about listening to what he says trusting what he says, uh, his promises to us, and then acting on them, like Abraham did. For Abraham, it was about going to a geographical place. For us, it's about going to a person, Abraham's descendant, the Messiah, Jesus. Because the stream runs from this point right through history to Jesus and then floods out from him. And actually... All of the blessings are found for all of the peoples of all of the earth in Jesus, including for you and me. And the great nation that, promises, that God promises is made up from people of every nation who put their faith in Jesus. The place we meet God is, is no longer a holy land. It's um, gatherings like this one. Jesus said, um, you can look it up, he said, When two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. God's people are people like us. God's place, well, when we, we could gather outside in the park, and that would be God's place. He meets with his people. And God's rule and his blessing, we don't yet know to him face to face. We're looking forward to that. We're yearning for that. But we do have the incredible blessing of his Holy Spirit dwelling with us as his people, linking us to him and leading us in life. It can, um, it can be, feel risky to uh, become a friend of God nowadays, to be known as a Christian uh, publicly. Some people react badly to that. But Abraham is a real encouragement to just go for it. He's from a family that wouldn't have grown up worshipping the Lord and yet when he heard God call him, he responded and made that journey into the unknown. Jesus says uh, in, uh, in the Gospels, he says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. He, he's fully aware that to choose friendship with him uh, might mean saying no to all sorts of things, financial security, family approval, beliefs you were brought up with and that you've always had. But he says... You need to deny yourself if, it, if, if those things need to change. You need to be prepared to suffer. Take up your cross and follow me. 
And you might think, gosh, yeah, that's a pretty hard call to be a Christian nowadays. It, that's, that was always what it was. It was the same in the first century to do those things. And, and it is unknown. I'm not sure what I'm letting myself in for. But you see, for us, this isn't a blind leap of faith because we have the example of people like Abraham and all the other heroes of the faith. We can read their stories in the Bible and we're going to do that over the weeks to come. And we can see that God not only makes big promises, but he keeps them and some. One of the reasons I wanted to do that little um, linking thing is I would love for some of us who are up for it to uh, find a time in a few weeks' time, end of the month or in February, to do a bit of a Bible overview. Um, I did it um, years ago and just found it just such an eye-opener to see how different bits of the Bible connect and fit together. And um, I, just, I just find it really energising to kind of go, oh, okay, oh, that's, uh, that's how the prophets fit. Oh, okay. Uh, and it doesn't mean you'll know every detail, but it means that you'll see some of these links and you'll expand your vision of, of God, what God's doing. And, uh, for example, did you realise today that, you know, Jesus gets a mention all the way back in Genesis chapter 12? Did you realise that? Uh, it, it's flowing all the way from there until now. It's, it's just great to see how it fits uh, together. And I mentioned that, I'd love to firm up that plan. Um, let me know if that sounds exciting. Uh, if not, I've got a few people in mind who I think, yeah, you'd you really benefit from it. And so I'll uh, mention it. I said earlier that uh, Abraham went to this land with nothing in his bag except the promises of God. But, actually, that was more than enough. Abraham would have his name made great by the God whose name was already great. Abraham would be blessed by the God who, well, didn't lack things to bless him with. The God who made everything was going to bless him and bless all the nations through him. And that's friendship with God then and now. It's always based on his wonderful grace and his unconditional promises. It's a bit like being given a cheque for a million pounds for no other reason then the person who gives it is incredibly generous. It's an unconditional gift. That's what Abraham did uh, for, for, sorry, God did for Abraham in the promises and it's what he does for you and me in Jesus. He gives it freely to us but we do have to cash the cheque. Yeah? It's an unconditional gift but we've got to cash it. We've got to cash it, we've got to start a relationship with God if we haven't done yet. Uh, pray. Say, okay, I, I will trust you. I don't know where this is going, God, but I will trust you. I want to be a person who follows after you. And you can do that in any words that come, or uh, if you want some help uh, to think about how to uh, put that into a prayer, uh, on the left-hand side as you go out, there's some of these uh, booklets, Knowing God Personally. So you cash the check, you sort of open an account with God, a friendship with God in, in prayer, and then day by day you live it. You live the friendship. We live in the light of the fact that we already have in our spiritual bank accounts every single possible blessing in Jesus Christ. We're already part of his great nation that he's calling out. One day we'll see him face to face in the new heavens and the new earth where everything's right. And today we know him, we really know him, we're linked to him by his Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we follow his lead through life we put our faith in him and we'll discover even when we're rubbish at our side of the friendship, he is totally faithful as we've sung already. God is the kind of friend who sticks by you through thick and thin, who picks you up when you fall on your face 
and his friendship is the greatest blessing we can know in life.